people. If we've learned anything so far, don't eat poo, don't eat peas, and don't run. Oh, Michelle, hello there. Oh, hello, Geordie. How are you? Well, I'm not too bad. Um, I'm in a new room. That's exciting. Or an old room. Early eavesdroppers will know that I used to be coming to you from the guinea pig room, which is where I am again. (laughs) So apologies if they start vibrating because I haven't had a chance to go and throw them in the garden, which is what they do. They free range it, you know. Guinea pigs. Yes, we have talked about guinea pigs on this podcast before. Not only because you are in the guinea pig room, but also because in Peru, guinea pigs are a delicacy. They are. Weird food. Not so weird to the Peruvians. Listen, Michelle, is it time for us to introduce ourselves? We've just launched straight into guinea pig talk, all that talk of piggies. I'm Geordie. And I'm Michelle. And you officially are eavesdroppers. Yep, you're eavesdroppers. That's what you are. Well done. We're so happy. Oh, we're thrilled. We're thrilled. (laughs) Welcome. Come on in. Sit down. Stand up. Whatever it is you feel more comfortable with. Walk and talk. This is a service to lighten your day (laughs) and inform you of some dubious facts. Dubious is the word because, you know, like you always say, we play fast and loose with the facts. I would say we get 80% right. 80? Really? Oh, don't give me that face. I've got a little something straight off the bat for you, Michelle. It's from a few weeks ago. Yeah. Okay. We got something wrong. (laughs) (laughs) We had a listener aghast. There was quite a few listeners, if you remember, going back to the episode about wellness, which I think is actually two or three episodes ago. So that's probably like episode 17 or 18. Can you remember of this series, series four, season four? So lovely Linda, our school teacher and contributor, (laughs) researcher, etc. Linda. She's done a lot for us and we do a lot for her because we are coming in her ears week after week. Now this time there was a massive OMG email to our hello at eavesdropping.com. Is that right? Hello at eavesdropping.com is our email. Yes, it was episode 19. Thank you. So Linda was aghast, not in the same way that another listener was aghast because she was horrified about the fact that there are people like Kate Blanchett and Sandra Bullock who put Korean boys' foreskins on their faces. Your mother was quite horrified as well, I believe. The penis facial. Michelle told you all about it back in that wellness episode 19. Now, Linda said she was quite shocked that we thought that there might be stem cells in foreskins. Apparently, there's not. Well, I just got that from the research that I did. False news. False news. I mean, actually... Or maybe they squeezed out the cells. I don't know. Linda, expand. Yes, expand. You know, you can't just give us some half-assed research, Linda. That's what we're doing. That's our speciality. That's our job. (laughs) Um, Well, do you know what? I will look that up. I'll just say it straight off the bat. Happy to be wrong. I'm happy to be corrected because... Well, you're not the one who came up with the idea, are you? No. Or did you? (laughs) Have you ever laid in bed thinking, I know what would make you look really young and fresh? A couple of foreskins. What do they do with all those foreskins when they chop them off? I know what you can do. What were you saying? Recycle, reuse, reuse, recycle. No, no, I'm just saying. Low impact. No food, not food waste, Jesus. (laughs) Nose to tail. Nose to tail. (laughs) Nose to tail beauty. (laughs) Oh, shit. That summoned up some really horrific imagery in my mind. Foreskin to fork beauty. Zero waste. Zero waste. That was the expression I was searching for. Zero waste. But you know what? When I think about it, stem cells, 
she's probably right because you know stem yeah. cells do come from placenta and things like that yeah not external yeah and that little penis it's already born and out there and on the yeah. body and exposed to surplus to requirements in some cases <laughs> i mean not everybody should be chopping off foreskins i didn't know that korea were hot on that trend i know that in australia in mm. the 70s it was all the rage cuz i don't think any of my male relatives have foreskins uh coming to england it was a shock probably to some older australians to find that everyone keeps them yes they are part of your body after all well i mean you know i'm from a european family and uh so it's foreskins are plenty back in your house oh man it's all the skin everywhere <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear. Welcome to the podcast listeners. I'm so sorry that we've gone straight down the foreskin track here. Well, I have to tell you, and maybe I have talked about this on the pod in the past. I was very briefly seeing an Australian chap back in the day who wasn't circumcised. Thing is, at the age of ripe old age of 18, he decided he wanted to be like his mates. And so he oh, had the snip, no. he had the foreskin removed. My God, you have never seen such jagged scarring on a member oh. it wasn't nice it wasn't nice so i'm just telling you if you are thinking of an adult circumcision don't go there just think twice some people have to have them i do know that i've known a few adults who've had to have them yes because they have type 4 skin yes mm -hmm. and it can prevent pregnancy and pregnancy pregnancy for the partner this is what happened my friends oh i partner, see they couldn't get pregnant well he couldn't have sex without a condom because of the pain oh. of foreskin hitting you know, whatever. Okay, we're getting really detailed now. Let's move right along because this week it's probably foreskins and what we're talking about. Not sure they mesh, although I've got disgusting shit for you this week. Can't wait, Michelle. Let me just make a, another apologie. I'd like to make an apology, aka apologie, for what we've just talked about. If you're a new listener, horrifying. I'm sorry. This is the sort of <laughs> stuff that we talk about. Get used to it. Another apology, apologie, was last week's sound quality, especially from my side. It was quite a hectic recording because many things were happening. I had a very unwell dog who was throwing up. That's why I recorded in my kitchen and it sounded weird. What you didn't hear, listeners, was me having to get up and run outside or throw a blanket under her or a towel because she was foaming and all sorts. She's fine now. Michelle, did you find out why three or four helicopters were ha landing on your neighbor's roof? I did find out. It's basically construction and it was across three houses and we had probably about 24 helis all landing at various times. So it was a noisy and recording. It was a no noisy, noise. noisy noise. recording, absolutely. So apologies. What can you do? This is what happens when you're in the mountains. Exactly. Oh, I'm not in the mountains. I'm in the suburbs. But you know what? How to help us get through these little issues is to help us by going to Patreon. If you're a big fan, you can support us. Just a dollar or two dollars a month helps us if you all do it. It helps us to improve on our sound quality, improve on our studio spaces, and we can make it better for you. Indeed. And also, we love cash. We do love cash. <laughs> the links will be at the end of the episode notes. Michelle will make sure of it. Apologies from me, apologies to you. Why do I always sound so Australian? Thank you. Now, Michelle. I'm not going to connect the Korean foreskins with food, because that's Good. exactly what we're talking about. This episode, oh. we are talking about food. But I just wanted to like start off before we, we get onto that. I was doing a search and I was typing in, 
what happens to your body if you eat? And you know how the oh, no. the duck duck go gives you the suggestions. Yeah. And so before I typed in chewing gum, which is what I was looking yeah. at, it was like what happens to the body if you eat poo. Oh. So we've lost all the American listeners now, Michelle. We have. But <laughs> I clicked on it because do you know what? We have talked about this. You love to talk about eating poo. That was in a Strange Addictions. Strange that was, Addictions, yes. it was, it was. I think series two. Yes. And obviously, that's my friend. You know I'm obsessed by poo. Yeah. I've been to poo camp. Yep. I like looking at the poo. I've sent you pictures of my poo when I yep. had a worm coming out that's of right. it. She did. On the poo camp. That's what you're meant oh, to do. Oh, yeah. Are you meant to involve your friend? Are you? You're meant to share the, <laughs> share the horror. I was so shocked. I could not believe it. I, I just sent it to you because I thought, what the fuck has just crawled out of my poo and up the, up the toilet bowl? It could have been already in the bowl. I would like to think it was already in the bowl. Not from Also, too, you know, we've talked also, I think, about how in Europe, not so much in the UK, but in Europe. The viewing platform. You have the shelf. Yeah. <laughs> the viewing, the European poo shelf viewing platform. <laughs> I mean, what else is it there for but to, to look at your poo? To filter through it, I suppose. And do you know what? It's actually very healthy for you to look at your poo yeah. because you can tell a lot by colour, shape, texture, length, all the stuff. Uh-huh. But anyway, back to eating poo. It's not that bad for you. Oh. And just so you know, if you do eat poo for no reason, it won't kill you. You'll throw up. You'll get diarrhoea. You'll probably have a fever. And if you're not eating healthy poo, you'll, your poo could have parasites and viruses oh. like Hep A or Hep E. I didn't know there was a Hep e. e. And then you can contract those Heps, which is awful. But if you eat really healthy poo full of good bacteria, Geordie, it can save lives. Put it in like a poo shake. You know, you blend it up and then you drink it. And we Ooh. did talk a little bit about this before because there are people who are on the brink of death who are having their gut repopulated with human flora that you can only get from poo. You can't synthesize. Fecal transplants. Exactly. That's the technical name. (laughs) Poo shake is what I call it. (laughs) And so (laughs) it's kind of a miracle, actually, the fecal transplants. So anyway, that all happened just because, you know, DuckDuckGo brings up what happens if you eat poo as one of your options. But for those wondering about the chewing gum, Well, we all have heard the urban myth of what happens. If you swallow it, apparently it sits in your stomach for seven years. Seven years? Okay, yes. And that it can't be digested. And it sticks your kidneys to the the rib cage or something. I think I may have heard that. Yeah, there's all sorts of things around chewing gum. Which is bullshit. It is. It's bullshit. Because if you swallow your chewy, it is true that your body can't digest it. But it does not stay in your body for seven years. It basically just gets pooed out. Yeah. Unless you've swallowed loads of it. And then it can actually make you constipated and it can really block you up. But generally speaking, if you swallow your chewy, you're fine. Okay. So don't worry about that, guys. Just don't eat the poo. Come on. Don't eat the poo. Michelle, can I also ask you, what would happen if you swallowed a seed? Because I have actually looked into that. By the same token, if your mum says, don't swallow your chewy, she'll also say, don't eat the seeds of grapes and things like that, cherry stones, all that kind of stuff, apricots. I think everyone has probably at some time. I mean, I don't like swallowing watermelon seeds. Hate it. I spit out those pips. A lot of people swallow those watermelon seeds. Yeah, they do. Not good. You don't want a watermelon growing in your tummy, do you? No, but do you know what? It's really funny you should bring this up because... Back in 2010, a guy called 
Ron Sverden from Massachusetts. He was rushed to hospital with a collapsed lung. Oh. He had been battling with emphysema for months, which it's a lung condition where the air sacs in the lungs are damaged, um, which, you know, causes shortness of breath and can't breathe. His condition got to the point where he was coughing and coughing to the point of exhaustion. So his wife rang 911 and he was admitted to emergency. And in an interview I read, he was expecting the worst, Geordie. He basically thought he had cancer and was going to die. And the doctors, they did find that one of his lungs had collapsed. And they did (gasps) tests and tests and tests. And they did not find any trace of cancer. None. In fact, for days and days, they ran tests and did x-rays and nothing added up. And they could not solve the mystery of why poor old Ron was coughing like crazy. Two weeks later, two weeks of tests, yeah, they finally found what was causing all the problems. A pea plant was growing inside him. Oh, my God. I thought it was all urban legend. No. He had a pea plant growing and basically... It was already half an inch high by the time they found it. But those things, they're tenderly. Yeah. They get all wrapped up. Oh, man, it's fucking terrifying. Like a science fiction film. It is. Oh, my God. Now, what they think happened, um, doctors think Ron probably ate a pea that went down the wrong way and eventually sprouted because of the warm, moist conditions inside the body. Oh, my God. People, don't eat peas. Don't eat peas. (laughs) If you know what's good for you, you won't eat the peas. Don't eat those goddamn peas. But after a relatively simple surgery, note here the word fucking surgery. Surgery. That's surgery. <laughs> Ron went home pee-free. So oh. it was a happy ending for poor Ron. Congrats, Ron. But that's not the only thing I discovered that can grow in your lungs, Geordie. Oh, no. There's a 28-year-old guy called Artyom Sidorkin from Russia in the uh-huh. Urals. The Urals. We know how to pronounce See that. See how to pronounce that? Urals. Yes. Thank you, Yannicka. This poor guy, he was coughing up blood. Oh. Coughing it up. Feeling massively awful, extreme chest pain for months. And again, he thought, I'm dying. Yeah. I've got cancer. I'm fucked. In fact, the doctors were absolutely certain it was a tumour. And they scheduled him in for surgery. But... Before they actually decided to remove a massive part of poor old Artyom's mm. lung, one of the surgeons decided, mm, maybe I'll just investigate this tissue we took in the biopsy of this tumour, just to be clear on what we're dealing with. And boom, what they found was he had a fir tree growing in his what? lungs. And Georgie, it was already five centimeters tall and growing like a mini christmas going on down there absolutely and what the doctors think happened was that he was coughing up all of this blood because the tiny pine needles were piercing his blood capillaries and damaging him and causing him to like cough up the blood oh but they did manage to get the tree out again yeah another fucking surgery (laughs) God. Surgery to get this shit out. Did they use tiny, tiny shovels? <laughs> they had a little hacksaw. They cut it down first, popped it in one of those yeah. smoke globes. That's bizarre. He's, he's all fine now. And this, honestly, this only happened like a few years ago. And what they think caused him to get this fir tree 
seed in him was that yeah. uh, he was in the Russian army and he was training in the woods in the Urals and they think he inhaled a fur seed while he was running. Oh. That his lungs just it got trapped and then it just, you know, that tree put down roots. People, if we've learned anything so far, don't eat poo, don't eat peas and don't run. No. Especially in the forest. Just don't do those things. I know. More things to not do. I, I think those are pretty bad. But I do yeah. have here a trigger warning. Like I know this isn't really about food, but I just went down a wormhole and it was kind right. of a gross thing that was living in the human body, just like the fir tree oh. had no fucking right to be there. But So if you get squeamish about gross stuff, trigger warning. Put down the sandwich. <laughs> it's a juice dropper. Trigger warning. Oh, sorry, pet. Trigger what was that? You might want to put down that sandwich. Trigger warning. There was a five-year-old boy in Honduras. And, you know, these things always happen in countries where, they, you know, maybe the sanitation is not so good. Okay. He had something in his eye. You know when you get a little bug or something in your eye, you just kind of rub no. your eyes a oh, bit right. and eventually it comes out because, you know, the tears start running down your face mm. and, you know, whatever is in there comes out. Well, there was absolutely no chance that that was going to happen with this kid because what happened was that a bot fly, which is a parasitic insect, got into his eye, bored in, and then laid eggs. Geordie, it laid eggs. No! So basically he had a a mama fly laying larvae in his eyes. And again, I'm going to use the word surgery, had to be removed surgically. Oh, how did they do that? I don't know. And I actually don't know if his vision was okay. Right. That just makes me feel fucking sick. And sad. Poor little and guy. Sad. But this Aww. next one. And look, I'm going to just preface it by saying we did talk about career earlier. We did talk about the penis facial. Career is popular. Career is popular today. This sort of does have have to do with food, actually. And this also makes me feel... So there was a 63-year-old... South Korean woman, she ate a semi-raw piece of squid at a local restaurant. And after she ate it, when she got home, she had this weird feeling in her mouth, like something was spreading in her mouth. This feeling did not go away. And in fact, the feeling was so disturbing that I don't know if it was after a few hours or a few days, but she was like, fuck this. I need to go to my doctor because this is horrible. Turns out she had eaten the ball bag of a squid. What? Oh. <laughs> and her mouth had been inseminated by what? the squid she had eaten <laughs> because she ate the ball bag, right? Stop that. It is so grim. Apparently, you don't need male and female to be able to, you know, inseminate. Oh, and so the squid sperm spermatophores, spermatophores, that's how you say it. They had implanted themselves into her mucous membranes. So oh, she Jesus. had all of these white spindle-shaped bug-like organisms all spreading and growing in her mouth that oh. I think had to be removed by surgery. Do you know what? I know a little something about that. That's What? Well, I do know in Korea, I didn't know anything about that horrific story, okay, okay. <laughs> but I do know that six people every year die from eating a Korean delicacy known as sanakji. 
Basically, it's raw octopus. It's octopus, not squid. Okay. And it's meant to be eaten while it's still squirming. Yeah. Have you seen the film Old Boy? No, but if it's still alive, don't eat, yeah, I know. eat it. Oh. Please don't do that. Please don't. But what happens is the chef kills the octopus and then it's chopped up into bite-sized pieces straight away. So it gets killed in front of you and it's served with sesame seeds and soy sauce and the residual nerve activity in the tentacles means that it will still be wriggling when it's on your plate and possibly when you put it in your mouth. Mm. But sometimes those suckers of the octopus could remain active and attach themselves to your throat (gasps) when you swallow and that's what kills people. So that's where I thought you were going to go. Just then, I had no idea that you were actually going to say she got pregnant in her mouth. Well, I mean, it was insemination. It didn't result in a pregnancy, I will say, but inseminating the mucus members. I feel sick. And like I said, juice droppers, guys, because I have another quick one to tell you on the seafood theme. (laughs) So there was a guy in China just last year, Geordie, who was suffering really quite badly from constipation. He considered eating an eel live. Why? Because he's got constipation. Yes. That's his That's his remedy. He'd read something oh. about it, but instead he decided to stick it right up the old ass. Oh, come he on. He put a live eel up the anus to nibble out what was blocking him oh. up. <laughs> What goes on in people's minds? I don't know. Thing is, Geordie, the eel did not just stop at the rectum. Oh, stop it. It slid up I hate alive this. into stop. his colon oh. and then ate its way through organs into his bladder. Oh, my God. Yep. And honestly, this guy nearly died from this eel running rampant through his inside. Poor eel as well. That can't be nice. The poor eel. <laughs> Call Animal Protection Services. Yes. I do wonder too if it really did have anything to do with constipation and if he really just wanted... He's doing it for fun. Maybe. Who thinks of that? The guy who sits on a freaking grenade. That's who thinks of that. (laughs) See previous episodes. Yeah, see previous episode. Look, this guy did not want to go to hospital. I think he was probably feeling a little embarrassed. But he finally did because he could not stand what he said, the constipation pain. Don't (laughs) think so. It's because the eel's just eating your bladder. (laughs) When surgeons went in there to investigate what the fuck was going on, the eel was still alive. Oh, come on. When the doctors removed it. Because obviously he had to have freaking surgery. And look, he did survive. Apparently he's fine. But yeah, another take-home message there. Don't shove things up your ass, especially live things. Yes, I know, I know. Michelle, where did you find your information about this? Is it some kind of lad's mag? Is it lad Bible? No, it's just the interwebs, my dear. It's full of this shit. You just got to want to look for it. Wow. You don't find this if you're just doing normal searches <laughs> for where can I find the best champagne? That shit does not come up. You know, you've got to be looking for grim stuff. And look, there's a lot of stuff. I read another one about a guy who, you know, those fish that eat all your dead skin off your feet? The little Yeah, the toe the toe fish. They don't do those anymore. The pedicure fish. I don't see them anymore. Oh, I tell you right now, if you want one, I guess it's illegal, but if you want oh. one, just go to Lanzarote. You can sit outside in the sunshine with a parasol and put your feet in one of those disgusting fish tanks and the fish oh, will eat all your dead skin. There was a guy in China, he apparently went into a bathtub full of these yeah. and one went up the old, you know, eye of the ding dong. Oh. 
God. And that didn't end well for him. So Oh dear. It's not good. Just don't do that kind of thing. But anyway, look, I actually want to talk quickly about a food spiracy. Okay. And this is a serious thing. So the trigger warning stuff's already gone. Okay. You can pick up your sandwich again. If it's a fat free sandwich with fat free everything on it, I'm gonna give you some info here. Because uh-huh. I looked at the fat free food spiracy that really took yeah. hold. You know, in the US really in the 70s and then spread to the rest of the world. And my information comes from NPR, which did a little mini expose into this. And it was probably 10 years ago, but it's fascinating to me because the diet of the whole world got fucked up by this American diet craze. And it all began when Americans started to have this fear of fat in the mid 70s and the reason it all kicked off was because in the u.s senate in july 1976 a senator called george mcgovern called a hearing to kind of join the dots between diet and disease because you know at that stage the economy was booming everyone was living it up they were eating loads of meat loads of dairy you know knocking back all the wine eating lots of cheesecake butter on everything Right. And all this overindulgence was taking its toll, you know, because politicians and high-flying businessmen eating out, living it up, they were all dropping dead of heart attacks. Yeah. And it started to scare people. And slowly, slowly, people started to think, hmm, are all those steaks and all the cheese and all the wine and all the fatty fried foods, has it got something to do with why everyone's dropping dead of a heart attack? And people start to freak out because, you know, they were in this era of they'd already just been told that smoking was bad for you and would lead to cancer. And now they were sort of thinking, fuck, is there a link between fatty food and heart disease? And, you know, I mean, I feel kind of bad for them in some ways because the party's over. Yeah. Your smokes are bad. Your red meat's bad. You know. What else have you got? Yeah. But the thing is, you know, back in the 70s, there wasn't a lot of information on how food affects the bodies. And scientists knew that saturated fats like eggs and meat could raise LDL cholesterol, which is the bad cholesterol. Yeah. Because that collects in the walls of your blood vessels and it raises the risk of health problems like heart attack yeah, and because stroke. Because it furs up the arteries, etc., meaning thinner blood flow, etc. Yeah. I mean, again, I'm fast and loose right here. This is what I know about it. (laughs) But you know, the thing is, it's not that simple. Because the whole good cholesterol, bad cholesterol thing, it's really complex. At that point, you know, in history, scientists just didn't really understand all that much about it. And they didn't have any data on it. But circling back to Senator McGovern, when he called that hearing on diet, you know, he brought in a guy called Nathan Pritikin, if you're old enough to remember the Pritikin diet, it was huge. Pritikin. Oh. Yeah, it'll oh, yeah. ring some bells. I mean, it's been debunked now. But he was a diet guru who believed you could reverse heart disease by changing your diet. You know, there was a, a Harvard University professor that he based all his ideas on this on, who basically had said heart disease and heart attacks were caused by, you know, pigging out on all the fat. From this kind of scant piece of evidence, it ignited the first set of dietary guidelines for Americans with the key aim to reduce fat in any way possible. You know, fat was bad. That was the message. So what did they do? The guidelines said, replace milk and cheese and fatty meat with carbs. So eat pasta, eat potatoes, eat rice. You'll live longer. Be skinnier. That was their guidelines. Basically, carbs were good. Fat was bad and this whole low-fat, 
high carb focus meant the food industry in America had a fucking field day. It was basically a license to make and market new products like fat-free frozen yogurt, fat-free muffins, fat-free cookies, fat-free ice cream, whatever you want. Just take out the fat, add loads of sugar because sugar's not bad for you. Fat is. Mm, Right. Fast forward to the 90s. The food industry had gotten really good at fucking with food and taking all the fat away. And the food message of what was healthy was really skewed. Like nuts were bad because they were full of fat. You know, Mm -hmm. jacket potatoes were good because it's all carbs, but don't add butter. But then who wants to eat that dry... Dry fucking potato. potato. But do you know what? People were doing it. People were going and, you know, ordering, I'll have a jacket potato, you know, hold the cheese, hold the butter, hold the sour cream. What do you have with it? Just, I mean, don't even eat the potato. How boring. I know. And then also things like, and you'll remember this, salad, hold the dressing because that dressing is all full of like olive oil. So hold the dressing. You're just eating these dry Mm. old leaves. And people did go crazy for the fat-free diet, you know, fat-free cheese. Fat-free yogurt, fat-free mayo. Uh, You know, the list is endless because they'd been told eating fat makes you fat. Well, what people didn't realize is that what they were eating was massively processed. And, Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, everything was fat-free. But to make it into something you would even want to fucking eat, it was loaded up with sugar and loads of other shit like MSG and thickeners and whatever else. You know, because we all know fat is flavor. You know, it adds flavor to food. And even on meat, you eat the fat of the meat because that's where all the the flavor is. And Mm -hmm. so all this food tasted like shit and the calorie count of this food was sky high. It might not have fat in it, but it was full of sugar, full of all these carbs and stuff. So right around this time when people eating kind of refined grains, high sugar, it exactly correlates to the time when Americans started getting fatter and fatter and (laughs) diabetes went wild. So the whole, you know, fat makes you fat Senate bill to try and get Americans healthy and not drop dead of heart attacks and heart disease totally backfired. And instead it caused these new problems of obesity, diabetes, which as we know, eventually leads to heart disease and stroke anyway. So they, they fucked it up. And then since then, you know, thankfully, like the whole fat-free fad has kind of gone by the wayside. You know, you still can get low-fat foods, but we now know that obviously we need fat in our diets to keep us healthy, but you have to choose the right fats. So saturated fats, like the fat you find in beef and pork and even butter and all the kind of unfucked around with dairy, like mm. full-fat dairy – It's not great for you and neither are trans fats. And if you don't know what trans fats are, it's hydrogenated oils, which, you know, it's basically in all fried food, but it's also where manufacturers, they add hydrogen to liquid fats. So they put hydrogen Mm. into vegetable oil and then they put that in your processed food, like biscuits and shit, because it makes stuff last longer and the fat doesn't go off. It doesn't go rancid. Okay. But it's really, really bad for you. So avoid it. Yeah, I don't want that. No, because your body can't break it down. And then the trans fats raise bad cholesterol that clog your arteries. And that then increases your chance of stroke and heart attack. And here's the kicker. Trans fats actually and bad fats lower your good cholesterol. 
No, we don't want that. No, so just don't, don't eat that shit. So many things not to do this episode. Have you got a list there, people? Don't eat that squid ball bag. <laughs> the upshot here is fat doesn't make you fat. It actually helps you burn fat. And yeah. when you eat more healthy fats like olive oil and avocados and nuts and less bad fats like fatty meat and mm-hmm. trans fats, you know, we all know this. You feel fuller for longer. It actually stabilizes your blood sugar. And the more you eat the good fats, the more it actually teaches your body to burn off fat okay. rather than relying on quick bursts of carbs and sugar and bad fats for energy. Right. So I think, you know, that old adage of everything in moderation Apply it to your diet, a little bit of everything. Except for trans fats where you should have none. No, you should just have none. And avoid low fat it's too. It's hard. It, fat's just pointless. It is pointless. But it's hard to avoid the trans fats in this day and age, I think. It is, but just go for less processed food. That's the upshot. That's all I got for you. Amazing. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you for the tips, the top tips of keeping healthy. Number one, don't eat a ball bag. <laughs> you got the vibes. So I'm going to move on now with my food, foray into food, into the forager's fancy mushrooms. Now, I have a bit of an affinity with mushrooms, don't I? Because I've got a husband who's been hunting for mushrooms ever since we've been together and beyond. Every autumn, he gets a little obsessed, little, that's understating it somewhat, he wants to get in those forests, foraging those bloody mushrooms before anyone else. And he sees some Polish people or somebody from Eastern Europe will come out with a massive bag full. He's like, where the hell did they get them from? They've taken them all. He gets upset. He wants to get up early to, to beat them all to the forests and get all the mushrooms, right? Now, we're talking about edible mushrooms. We're talking about things like seps and field mushrooms, but mostly the ones that the spongy ones that you can eat in forests and chicken of the woods he's got some of that in previous chicken of the woods isn't the best it's not the nicest mushroom to eat it needs a lot of preparation i think but something like a massive great big sep yeah or he calls it um birkin pills because his mother was east german and she's the one who taught him how to do it you see Mm. those great big spongy ones they're gorgeous or a puffball which is more like a field mushroom we've had them as big as your head, Michelle, yeah. and he slices them up and then fries them in garlic butter. It's lovely. Mm. Fats. <laughs> never mind. But he says that he will never eat or serve his family mushrooms unless he's 99% sure. I hope he's joking about the 99% sure as it's very easy to get wrong. And he'll go to great lengths. You know, he will put the mushrooms, if he's not sure about what they are, Mm. he'll put them on a piece of paper. They leave a shadow of the spores. He'll look at them. He'll compare them. He's got millions of books that he references and cross-references. So luckily for me, he is very, very skilled at what he's doing. And he can add a new mushroom almost every season to his what do you call his it? Repertoire his repertoire um, of knowledge. Repertoire. He's very diligent exactly. in his identification of mushrooms. And I've tasted a, a lot of his foraging bounty and it's delicious. Yeah. And he pickles them. And, and I have, I have a lot of confidence them. in your husband's ability to decipher yeah. good from bad mushrooms. But not everybody can do that. And especially if you come from a different country mm. and you might be a refugee and you've turned up in Eastern Europe For example, there's a story about this Afghan family in Poland. They succumbed to mushroom poisoning and it resulted in death. Sadly, their children died as well. Oh my God. Well, the whole family died. Both their children died. The older daughter didn't die because she was bigger, 
But these two young boys, unfortunately, did die after eating a soup containing death cap mushrooms, <gasps> which look very similar to a field mushroom. And the family had unknowingly gathered them in a forest outside their quarantine centre to eat and this little six-year-old boy sadly had an emergency liver transplant but doctors were unable to save him and he and his five-year-old brother sadly passed away from poisoning oh that's horrific the older sister survived because that was because of her higher body mass Mm. so the toxins were less damaging Mm. but as i said death cap mushrooms are probably one of the most poisonous in the world and they have been the cause of many mushroom-related deaths. Yeah, and especially if they look very similar to an edible mushroom, you know, it's better just fucking avoid that shit. Don't pick it. Absolutely. In Germany and Poland in particular, Mm. with refugee centres, you know, popping up in their countryside, Mm. their deaths from mushroom poisoning, sadly, has been quite high in recent years. But even here in England... People don't know. I mean, it's a sad shame, isn't it? That that should be knowledge that like my husband, he was passed down this knowledge. It needs to be passed down. This is our earth. We need to know this is our planet. Here in England, there is a story about a Somerset housewife who sadly died also after eating a soup with death cap mushrooms in it. So she foraged these from her own garden, Michelle. She saw them in her garden and she thought, oh, I'll bulk out a tin of... Heinz mushroom soup with that. And that's exactly what she did, Mish. 57-year-old Christina Hale added mushrooms to a tin of soup to bulk it up. She served it to her husband and herself for dinner one evening. But her husband only had it as a starter, whereas Christina had had it as her main meal. So that was the bulk of her dinner that night. And what they didn't know at the time of eating it was that it was a death cap or that even eating half a death cap can be fatal and there's no antidote. (gasps) I have heard that this is what I've often been told by Paddy is that when you eat a destroying angel or a death cap mushroom, you get really, really sick, like the runs, vomiting, food poisoning style symptoms, like you feel like you're on death's door. Yeah. And that goes on and on for for days and nights and then suddenly you feel better and then your organs fail and you die. (gasps) Oh my god! So you think you've yeah. you've made it through? Fucking yep. hell, that's awful. Just kill you straight up. Immediate death. Don't make your body. Just oh, stop. that's terrible. Yeah, exactly. So this couple in Somerset mm. went to bed after eating the mushrooms, but woke up feeling so sick the next day. But he still managed to go to work, only to feel really unwell. So he came home, and there he found his wife was had all those food poisoning symptoms I just told you about. So she was vomiting, she had diarrhea and the pair of them just deteriorated from there on. So that night they were in separate bedrooms because they were both just like hitting that porcelain hard all night long. That morning, Christina called an out of hours medical service. She told the operator that she had eaten some dodgy mushrooms. She pretty much figured it out. She said, it must be those. Because she knew she picked them from the garden. Maybe she made a mistake. So the doctor arrived at midday to examine her and decided it was norovirus and said that there was nothing to do with eating mushrooms. Oh, my God. So with norovirus, they don't want you to go to hospital, Michelle. So she was told to stay home. Don't go in there with norovirus. The hospitals don't want that spreading through their wards. Instead, Christina was given an injection to stop her from vomiting and capsules to stop the diarrhea which actually seemed to help for a little while. So she had a bit of a sleep on the sofa and then her husband 
who was upstairs yeah. was awoken by this shouting from downstairs <gasps> just before midnight and he came down to find his wife was being treated by a team of paramedics. Oh my god. Cuz she had managed to call the doctor herself and they had all turned up and found her like this. Yeah. He came down the stairs they rushed her off to A&E in their ambulance. He tried to drive himself on from behind them, but he was so sick, he also had to be taken in by paramedics as well. Yeah. So once in intensive care, Christina suffered several heart attacks oh and gosh. that heart stopped about four times. The toxins were also attacking her liver and her kidneys. And sadly, Christina Hale tragically suffered from multiple organ failure and died the following day in intensive care surrounded by her family. Afterwards, it was revealed that the only treatment that could have saved her life was a liver transplant, but she was too unstable to travel to the specialist hospital ward by ambulance, even if there had been an organ that was ready to go. So in those cases, it's really just don't play with fire just don't go there so basically even though the doctor got the norovirus diagnosis wrong wrong even yeah. if he'd got it right it was too yeah. late for her pretty much yeah, yeah. i mean they could have tried to find a last minute but they couldn't travel they she couldn't travel to the specialist no. hospital they might have helicoptered one in uh, yeah. i don't know Fuck. But that's not the only thing that can kill you that people may or may not be aware of. My husband has also told me some stories when we're out there camping and he likes to make a fire out of sticks and wood that he finds. He has said to me that he's heard of whole families dying from barbecues that they've made using oleander bush sticks from that. So similar to mushrooms, oleander is a fast-growing large shrub that people sometimes use when they're camping on their wood fire or use as sticks for their marshmallow toasting. But it's got deadly results, Michelle. Just inhaling the smoke can make you sick. And some people are so sensitive to the poison that brushing against the leaves will give them a rash. I need to know what Oleander looks like because I feel like I could fucking do this so unwittingly. Anyone could. So go ahead right now, DuckDuckGo or Google, whichever one you prefer. Find out what the hell does it look like. Basically, this plant has... Uh, the toxins oleandrin and nereocide, I don't know if I've pronounced that correctly, which are very similar to the toxins in foxglove, a.k.a. digitalis, which they use as heart drugs, I think. Digitalis, I think is... Really? I may be wrong. Linda, write in. Right in. But so is foxglove actually beneficial? Well, foxgloves, they're another deadly plant. But right. I do know that digitalis, they've made medication out of it. But, you know, like arsenic, they use very small amounts of things to cure people. Okay. I don't know what I'm talking about. What happens with foxglove? If you touch it or if you eat it? I think you just keep away from it. Don't eat it. Right. Absolutely yeah. not. But I don't touch them either. I don't touch them. Yeah. I don't cut them. Okay. I guess you have to Google that. And I didn't do that this time. Sorry. God. I will because I've got a foxglove <laughs> in my garden and I had no clue. I thought it was just really pretty. Have you been touching it? Well, it's, it hasn't. It was last summer I had it. Just turned up? No, I bought it because I was like, oh, what a gorgeous plant. And oh. I had no clue that it was... Well, yeah, they're deadly. Deadly. Okay, shit. The oleander can give you mild stomach ache, skin rash, but it can also cause swelling of the mouth and throat and give you a heart attack and also attack the kidneys and other organs. Okay, not good. Keep away. Now, moving along, I have a bit of a 
a story to add from a recent story that we had in season four, episode 13, weird medical stuff, which was dancing plague, etc. And I mentioned mold and you said, oh, we should do a story on mold. And I said, well, I did want to talk about it one day, but you said it would be boring. Do you remember this conversation? Yes, I do. And I feel like you're just like, you said it would boring and here it is (laughs) well here it is I've got the story I wanted to tell you which is the 1951 Pont Saint-Esprit mass poisoning it's in your favorite place France that's a lie Michelle hates France look food in France as a vegetarian they can just fucking go do one because if I see another (laughs) fucking cheese board that's all they give you it's just cheese it's horrible. I mean... What about a nice chef show salad? That's delicious. They don't offer it. Not where I was. You can get salad, fr- chef show everywhere. I love yeah, that. Yeah, but how many of those do you want to eat? It's like when you go to Greece and all you eat is Greek salad and you're like, I'm... The well, first yeah. one, you're like, yeah! By the 11th, you're like, I'm fucking sick yeah, of Yeah, you don't this. want too many. I really struggle in France. If it wasn't for the champagne, I would just never go there again. In fact, I probably won't go to France ever again. Sorry, French people. Aww. I'm sure you've got a great food culture. Well, I love you, France. It's just not great for veggies. So Paul Saint-Esprit, I've probably said that wrong. It's in southern France. And like I said, this happened in 1951. On the 16th of August, in this small town of Pont Saint-Esprit, two doctor's offices were overrun with patients reporting similar symptoms. They all had nausea. They were vomiting. They were running fevers they were freezing cold they all thought it was food poisoning very similar to what that poor woman in somerset Mm. had experienced they got worse and worse and people began convulsing and hallucinating and over the next few days events were occurring that were so out of the ordinary for example one man thought he was an aeroplane not in an aeroplane he thought he was an aeroplane he jumped out of a second story window and died then there was an 11 year old boy who tried to strangle his mother Doctors gave a name for this event. They called it the apocalyptic night and they began to look into causes and discovered that all the presenting patients had brought bread from the Brion Bakery in Paul Saint-Esprit. So one family, for example, in the next village had four out of the nine family members get sick and those four had eaten the same bread from the Brion Bakery, whereas the others had had bread from another bakery and they were fine. So it was all starting right. to add up. The doctors, they came up with this conclusion. A few days later, the health service gets involved of the prefecture and the prosecutor for the Republic and the police were all notified. And the baker, Roche Briand, was questioned and blamed for the town's illness. So police discovered that it was actually the second of three batches of bread that were made at the bakery on the 16th of August. That second batch was different because they'd run out of flour. So Brion has borrowed flour from two <gasps> other bakers. And Brion's assistant said that when he picked up the flour from one of the bakers, the guy wasn't there. So he took the flour from the assistant. So that could be where the huge fuck up went. And the investigation continued right back to flour mills until eventually it was revealed that one of the millers in one of the mills had mixed rye flour in, which is highly susceptible to ergot mold. Okay. Very similar to The Last of Us, where bread was the cause baked goods were the cause of this mushroom fungus spreading around and making everyone crazy and then turn into mushrooms. It seems that this flour is often cut with bean flour, right? But on this day, they didn't have the bean flour, so they swapped it out with the rye. 
So God knows what's in flour. This has been going on since the 50s, guys. This is 1951. No, they're cutting it. It's you don't like, get pure flour. It's like heroin. They're cutting that shit with talc. They're cutting they're it. cutting it with whatever. All sorts. Eventually, the Millers were arrested for involuntary manslaughter and for trading improper flour, and the baker from Beyond was released. So there was an article published shortly after the incident in the BMJ, Mm -hmm. British Medical Journal, and it said that the outbreak of poisoning was produced by ergot fungus, which causes hallucinations similar to taking LSD. These poor people were off their trolleys. I mean, did they finally come down from the trip? How long were they tripping for? I don't know. I think it was just a period of a, like a week or something where all these people were eating the bad bread. Shit was going yep. down. They were sick or they were hallucinating. The whole town was mad. Trying to kill their mother, jumping out of windows. I wonder if it has any kind of long-lasting effect on the brain after you've had like a psychedelic mm, incident I don't know. like that. I don't know. That is the case of somebody eating something that's been put in their food that they're not sure about. Due yeah. diligence was not done on that occasion. But what about, Michelle, if you'd been dared to eat something that you shouldn't eat? Like, for example, I was watching Succession and I'm not going to give you any spoilers, but there was a line from a recent episode where Greg, the tall cousin, had gone out with the Swedish people who were buying the company and he said he'd had a really bad night of intelligence gathering where the Swedes treated him abominably, made him and an old man dance when the old man didn't want to. And he drank things that aren't normally drinks, which made me think, what the (laughs) So on a more serious note, this is a very sad story that I'm going to tell you now relating to a dare. And it happened in Sydney, Australia in 2010. Oh, shit. Where 19-year-old rugby player Sam Ballard was out with his friends having a few drinks when they dared him to eat a garden slug. So he did. And the night carried on. Nothing unusual happened. You know, people eat snails. What's the big deal? A few days later, Sam began getting really bad pains in his legs. And then he started throwing up and was dizzy. And his condition deteriorated until Sam's mum rushed poor Sam to hospital, where they thought that he might be succumbing to early symptoms of multiple sclerosis, which her father had. So they thought it might be coming down through the family yeah sam did tell his mother that he ate a slug but she thought well that won't hurt him so Mm. what no one expected though was for poor sam to end up from this point in a 420 day long coma that would paralyze him for eight years (gasps) and eventually kill him oh my god it's pretty serious i did not expect Mm. that fuck because you mentioned i was just in france andreas had snails for the first time yum escargot and he yeah, was they're like, delicious. Yeah, he, he had it with garlic and everything. He said it was lovely. But, I mean, a slug out of the garden, you don't know if that's been eating fucking slug killer or anything. Jesus. Well, the thing is, what you do with them, with the snails that you eat, escargot, we had them the other day. We put them in the freezer from last time we were in France. They are probably bred and then they are definitely purged. Right. You put them in a bucket, you, you starve them for a certain length of time they're purged you know that they're good for eating they've gone through a process yeah and the problem is with this slug that sam ate was that it was infected with rat lungworm disease which is a condition caused i know horrible by parasitic worms usually found in rodents like rats and things but they can transfer to slugs and snails if they eat the rodents poo oh no so basically these guys who went oh eat slug mate yeah 
They killed their friends? Well, ultimately, that stayed very heavy on them as well. So those friends, they felt incredibly guilty and they've apologized to Sam. They have to live with what happens. Mm. But it was a huge shock and a massive wake-up call for these guys. But they never gave up on him and they visited him all the time and even managed to raise enough money to pay for Sam's care, which Mm. didn't cover it because it was a huge amount. He needed like constant round-the-clock care when he was finally... Well, eight years in yeah. a fucking coma. The reason why I know about this story is because it was on television in Australia and it's in the news because eventually they did mm. get a care package uh, from the National Disability Insurance Scheme in 2016, which paid out 492000 Australian dollars. But then the following year, they slashed mm-hmm. that figure to half, leaving the family in debt because of their 24-hour nurse care that they needed. But it was a mistake, oh. and they rectified it the following year. But then he died shortly afterwards, which was really sad. Oh, God, it's really intense. I mean, you know, the thing is, you, we have talked about comas before. How long do you wait? Because, you know, Michael Schumacher, yes. we talked in a previous episode, he's still in a coma. And, you know, obviously his family is, like, beyond megabucks rich. And they can keep Michael in a coma forever. But for the average person, like, I can't afford at what it. point do yeah. you just say there's no coming back from this? It's so sad. Exactly. I don't know what ultimately killed Sam. I just think life just wasn't sustainable. 24-hour mm. care was needed. You know, what happened was I think that this rat lungworm disease, it can often cause just mild symptoms, if any. And most people who contract the illness can recover in a few days or weeks. But some rare instances will show that that will be more severe. And that's what happened, sadly, with Sam. Oh, gosh, Jody, that's really awful. Yeah. And is that what you're ending your story on? And that's the end of my story, sadly. <laughs> but I wanted to say oh. thank God for the internet. Thank God for DuckDuckGo. Thank God for podcasts like us who highlight the dangers of eating snails and slugs that aren't and bred for food. And mushrooms, which you should yeah. know about mushrooms. It's okay to pick them and eat them. It's good fun mm. and they're delicious. But just be careful. There are ways of telling and never eat anything that you're not 100% sure about. I do worry that your husband says 99%. I hate the fact that that 1% is, it would drive me wild. I think that's a joke. I hope that's a joke. Yeah, I think so too. He wouldn't, he couldn't. Hopefully not. Do you know what? You do like um, the queens used to do, you make him eat one first before you eat it. Exactly. Well, thank you so much. That was a real journey into like mushrooms and tragic cases and snails and slugs. A lot of food for thought. Food for thought there, people. See what she did there? I know. (laughs) Thanks for your nut bags and and suckers and things growing inside your body and things going up you and in you and all sorts. Thanks, Michelle. We can count on you. Quite literally, we can count on you to give us the heebie-jeebies. And look, on that note, on the heebie-jeebie note, I don't think there's much more to say, Geordie. Not really. Other than wherever you are. Or whatever you do. <laughs> Just, Just keep, keep eavesdropping. 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 Eavesdropping.